Hello all and welcome back. Waking up. It's Monday, so please forgive me everyone already with the edit mistakes within five seconds. Um, but welcome back to Making Me Look Moves. We are so excited to have you here. I'm very excited to have you here. Welcome to episode eight. Today I have my guest, Jasmine Lopez, and our story is a pretty cool story because we just met about two weeks ago, um, but within sharing stories and sharing our journeys and sharing our experiences, we found out that there was certain things that we could resonate with. So I said, Jasmine, why not be a guest on the show? We are so excited to have you here because not only will you be speaking on your condition, but you will also be speaking on raising a child as well with a chronic condition. So we get to have two different viewpoints and two different perspectives, which I think is awesome. And, um, something that our listeners can also relate to, whether it's, you know, their children that has a chronic illness or their nieces, their nephews, a loved one, et cetera. So, so happy to have you here. But before we start on Jasmine's journey and her story, just want to give you a little bit of background of who she is. Jasmine um, actually is a second generation Latina. So she's Puerto Rican and Mexican who grew up in a single parent, low income home. The challenges she faced as a kid deeply impacted her mindset around herself, how she viewed the world, and her relationship with money. In May 2018, she started therapy and received a diagnosis of PTSD with depersonalization, which later changed to CPTSD, along with depression and anxiety. Since then, she has been on an intentional journey to heal so that she can live a whole and healed life for herself along with the life of her children. Her mental health journey has been this holistic process of learning to cope with the realities of her story while finding ways to heal outside of just talk therapy. She came to find healing through storytelling, creativity, and community. Hola, Jasmine. Welcome um, to Make It Neither Moves. We are so excited to have you on the show. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course, absolutely. Um, and I know I spilled a little bit of the tea of who you are, a little bit, just a snippet of how you came to be. Um, but please tell us your story. Walk us through your journey. How did you become aware that you had CPTSD? Were there a series of events that led to this diagnosis? Yeah, so as you originally mentioned, um, it was diagnosed as uh, PTSD with depersonalization, which is like basically as a way to cope with life, I disassociated. Um, mm -hmm. And so I had to learn how to reassociate. But it was in my therapy journey where I was having this weird, I don't want to call it weird. I was having this reaction, an emotional reaction to something. And it, it kind of triggered this response out of my therapist that was like, okay, actually, I think you have CPTSD. Like what you're showing me here is um, what we call an emotional flashback. So you're not having a visual flashback, but it's emotional. And let's walk, um, because I myself have never heard of CPTSD until you mentioned it. Um, and I'm pretty sure some of our listeners don't know that as well. What is the difference between PTSD as well as CPTSD? Yeah, so I'm still learning the, okay, yeah. the full language of it. Um, but PTSD can be triggered by an isolated traumatic event versus CPTSD um, happens as a result of long-term trauma that you experience. So I am a childhood survivor of sexual abuse. Um, mm -hmm. And so through my healing journey and gaining language around the impacts of that on my life has uh, resulted in a way that I've been 
I, I've coped with my life in, in the trauma that I experienced through disassociation, uh, which is why it was originally PTSD with this uh, mm -hmm. depersonalization. Uh, but once I started um, showing that I was having these emotional flashbacks where mm -hmm. it wasn't a physical flashback or a picture, um, I have those too, but um, I get uh, these emotional flashbacks that can um, can they can kind of be debilitating sometimes. Uh, the first mm -hmm. time I ever experienced it, it like took me out for three days uh, where I had oh, to wow. just, like, lay out in, in bed and I didn't know how to regulate myself because I didn't know how to uh, tell myself that I was safe. I didn't know what the steps were. And so mm -hmm. when, after I went to therapy, my therapist helped me through that. And she's like, the, the key things is being able to tell yourself that you're safe now. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of like inner connection to your inner child. So mm -hmm. connecting to my uh, inner self and saying, hey, little Jasmine, you're safe. I am an adult now. I can keep myself safe. I know how to protect myself and I have people around me who can keep me safe as well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I start to have any sort of emotional flashback, I'm able to use the coping skills and strategies that I've learned throughout therapy to help me um, regulate myself and kind of of uh, help bring me back into my present and not mm -hmm. into this uh, dysregulated form of myself in terms of it being emotional. Does that yeah. make sense? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, okay. totally, totally. No, it, it definitely does. And thank you for letting us know what the difference is because sometimes I think, and you had talked about it, not, not knowing the words, it, it lacks you within self-expression at times to not have the right words. And so um, not being able to, oh, and, and the reason why I say that is because sometimes it's good for, or it's good for us to know the actual terminology that way when we do walk into these doctor's offices or therapy sessions, we can come in with at least some base knowledge and then they can elaborate within those differences. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate you letting us know the difference on that. I forgot to say this um, in the beginning of the episode, and I always say this throughout our series this time around, is just noting a disclaimer. Neither our guest, Jasmine, nor myself are medical professionals. We are just having a conversation on how we personally manage our um, chronic conditions. So please seek help and professional help if you do not feel well or if you yourself believe that you have a medical condition. So just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there before we continue um, within the convo. So you had mentioned that it was uh, through therapy that you figured out that it was not PTSD, but CPTSD. How did that, um, once you were within that session and then afterwards, once you had some time out of the session to reflect, how did that impact you? How did you feel within that? Like now you're like, oh my goodness, there's actually a diagnosis. Uh, maybe this is how I move forward. Or was there like any, like, what were the emotions? What was, what was the, I guess, your chain of thoughts afterwards to this realization and this diagnosis? Yeah, I think that for me, it was kind of a form of relief to have mm -hmm. language around what I had experienced that week prior to seeing her, right? And mm -hmm. um, so I felt I felt a sense of relief. I felt a sense of like, but then I also the other part of me was like, oh yay, another another diagnosis, another thing to mm -hmm. add to the list, right? Um, 
And so having to just name that, feel it, uh, grieve it, all of those things uh, were things that I had to do. And then my therapist provided me an additional book or resource on PTSD, or see, complex PTSD, so that I can begin to, again, better understand it and understand uh, the long-term effects of trauma, especially from childhood into adulthood. And so... I'm grateful for those resources that she provided. And I'm grateful that, again, to have the language so that I can be able to say, oh, okay, that's what I experienced. Now I have the tools and the strategies to help me through this. Which is great um, because I think tools and resources go a long way. I know you spoke community. I obviously am always speaking to mom community and that's something that's very impactful. But yeah, being able to come out of there. And I'm I'm happy that you acknowledge that it was both, right? It was a sign of relief for you to be like, yay, we actually have the right diagnosis now after some trial and error. And that's kind of what it is, I feel, at times when you are at the doctor's office. But then also being like, great, another one on the list. Um, I've heard people say that before. For me, from from my personal experience, it was more of a relief because I knew how to, now I knew how to navigate um, moving forward. And so that brings me to my next question is, you speak about taking a holistic approach. Um, with me and my PMDD, I have also decided to take a holistic approach um, and not take medication as of now. I always am very open to say, maybe I'll decide tomorrow. Maybe I'll decide five to seven years down the line that medicine is what I am going to need. But for now, I want to take this holistic approach. You um, say that you as well take a holistic approach. And then I just wanted to know what made you decide that that path was the best for you? And how do and then what do you do as far as holistic approach? What does that mean for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there needs to be like a robust nuanced perspective on like, what does that mean? And what does that look like? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, and it, it means differently to different people. Like it's almost on an individualistic level. So like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. we just want to hear your story and your experience. And so what does that mean for you? Yeah, absolutely. So more specifically for my depression and anxiety, um, I was having a depressive episode that uh, lasted a really long time. This was like the first time that I was being that, that I acknowledged within myself that this is a real thing, and that mm -hmm. this is the thing that I struggle with. And um, that lasted about six months. That was a very deep, hard season for me to walk through. Um, but I'll never forget. I I had invited my husband into it, and it, one I think it requires vulnerability, right? When we yes. decide how to move forward in our healing journeys. Um, and I said something's not right. Um, I'm not okay, and I'm actually very scared. And the commitment I'm going to make to myself and to you and my family is I'm going to go see my PCP. And so I went to her and I said, and I shared everything that was going on with her. And I think it was through her that she made it feel like a really safe space, which in the medical, wow. <laughs> the, you know, institution that hasn't always been a safe space for me, but my PCP is amazing. And she was like, you know what, Jasmine, this doesn't have to be a forever thing. She's like, mm -hmm. doing nothing is not an option. And so she's like, we can start you on a low dose, you know, and we were talking prescription route. And I said, hey, you know, I've been actually doing some research around St. John's wort, a, a natural supplement that can help with depression, anxiety. What are your thoughts on that? Like, have you heard of it? And she's like, yeah, actually, I've had patients who, who do either or. She goes, but you 
have to decide which one you're going to do. And I'll give you the weekend to decide. Doing nothing is not an option, though. And I said, okay. And she's like, and you need to up your therapy sessions to weekly instead of every other week. And I said, okay. And Mm -hmm. so I took some time over the weekend to process through like the realities of where I was mentally. Um, And I was like, okay, let's, let's try the St. John's words. I'll give myself 30 days to try it. If I don't see somewhat an improvement, then I will go the prescription route. Um, I updated her with, with what I decided and she was for it. And she's like, you know, let's stay in touch and let's check in uh, three to six months and see how you're doing. And so I got on it and I saw the benefits and how it helped me um, mm-hmm. emotionally. I'm like trying to think of like how it, it like it just I was responding well to it. And it took right. about four, four days before I saw the benefits of it. And so, yeah, so that's that's one approach that I take. And then another approach is like through diet and making sure mm-hmm. that I listen to my body and getting movement in and making sure that I have community. For me, I know that I feel a sense of connection and belonging when I am in community with others. So I'm very intentional in making sure that I have my coffee date scheduled, that I am um, surrounding myself around people that I love and look up to and who inspire and encourage me and that I can experience that sense of belonging and safety. So, yeah, so I think it's really this robust approach towards um, what does it look like communally? What does it look like individually? How do I involve my family in this? And then Mm -hmm. how do I do this even from a spiritual practice as well? What disciplines do I want to tap in for that as well as part of my journey? So, so, yeah. And I love that because it's not just a one thing fixes all, right? Because mm-hmm. um, even your PCP, she, you know, yes, she gave you options, but it was either the St. John's um, or or right. the mm-hmm. or the low dosage. But you took it upon yourself to involve your family. You took it upon yourself to realize who you feel the most safest within your community because even community. That doesn't mean that everyone within your community is going to know every single step about you. Um, some know weekly about you, some know biweekly, and some it's once every quarter. And that's okay. It's just, that's just how it is. So you even being, you had mentioned intention, you being intentional with letting your family know and how they can show up for you. Letting those that are the closest in your community circle, how you are feeling. Um, and maybe that was even a conversation like, I don't know how you show up for me. I've had that before, like, I don't know how you can show up for me when they ask me like, oh, so how do I show up for you? I don't know. Um, And then it's both of us not knowing, but yet we know we love each other and support each other and we're there for each other. So even that sometimes is just playing with it, right? Like check up on me once a week or when it's really bad, like, hey, check up on me once every three days. Uh, And then once, like for me, once the summer hits, I'm like, you can find me on the socials. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm good because life is good once the sun is out and it's like up Mm -hmm. on the social. So yeah, I think that's pretty awesome that you, that you found your own way and your own space on what makes you feel better and being brave enough to share that story with the people that are closest around you. Cause sometimes even though they're in your, they're in your life almost every day, it's still hard to speak Mm -hmm. your truth because it's almost like you and this person are walking the same path, but they see it completely different than you. And you're like, I promise you, like, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to say like it. I feel some type of way of saying this, 
but thank you for giving me the space and let's figure it out together. So I think that's pretty awesome that you were able to do that for yourself. Yeah. And I think it's, I'll never forget that season. It was about five and a half years ago now when I had my first like really deep depressive episode. I've, I had other ones now that I look back, I didn't quite have language for it, but this time I'll never forget. Like my husband grabbed me by my face and he just was like, I got you, you know, it was just like such a healing opportunity to like, just because all I had, I barely had any I'm going to call it energy. Like I barely had any energy to do anything other than just like be here on the day to day. Right. Like I couldn't really fully be mom. I couldn't fully work. I couldn't fully do anything. And so for him to like, just grab me by my face and say, I've got you, like I'm here. You can count on me was like, I think one of the uh, biggest, safest things he could have done for me to say, like, we're going to get through this. And and we did. And we've come to the other side of it. And it was hard. And now I'm proactive. Now I'm like, I'm looking out for whatever uh, warning signs and see yes. myself within my body, because I don't ever want it to get that bad again. And now I hold yeah. myself accountable to that as well. And even that sometimes can be a balance because I know when I had my really bad episode as well, when I was coming out of it or when I was finally out of it, I remember telling my therapist, like, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back there. And it was almost me hyper fixating on not being there that I couldn't enjoy the present anymore. And she had to sit me down and be like, this is who you are. Like, you will have depressive episodes for your life, but I need you to remember that your uh, that your episodes, whether it's days or months, it's still a wave, and waves come and go. So yeah. I need you to just always picture this almost as a wave. And even though it's sometimes it can be a deep wave and it feels like it's the longest mm-hmm. wave you've ever been in, it you will come out the other side. And now that we have the correct tools and resource in place, like community, like you showing up to therapy like you doing um, your spiritual work, like you just talking about it is going to have you not be hopefully that intense because you are being proactive, but I need you to not hyper fixate on it never happening again because it's going to happen. Like it's almost the acceptance part of it. Um, Because I I remember that feeling of like, yay, I'm out, but when is it coming back? When is it, it was almost like that gray cloud and yes. everyday happiness and she's like stop it like it mm-hmm. is it is who you are acknowledge that this is who you are but it's not who you are forever it comes exactly away. and so I think okay. for me since I don't have a partner her letting me know that was her basically grabbing my face like that mm-hmm. that, that like no there was no physical touch but there were the words of affirmation and the letting mm-hmm. me know of it's okay to be how you are. Just don't let it take over you Mm because you are stronger than this and you are braver than this. And when we talk about words of being very powerful, like that was a moment where I got chills on my, I got the goosebumps and I just started crying. I was like, I am just so thankful that you're part of my life now because you don't like, that's very powerful, you know, to tell you it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, it is. For a while, for a few Mm -hmm. months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, throughout the years, I've had a few other depressive episodes um, and that haven't lasted anywhere near like it was five and a half years ago now. But um, 
each yeah each wave i call them high and lows or like mountains mm -hmm. peaks mm -hmm. and valleys um each wave is just like okay we're gonna we're gonna take a deep breath we're gonna get through this yeah uh, we're gonna ride it together and i'm gonna surround myself continually with yeah. community and and the people that i trust who i know can support me through this as well yeah. you strap up like that's what yeah. i call it like i strap up like I put my boots on, I like have my vest on and the vest is the community, the affirmations, the acceptance, the, if there is a day where all you can do is just lay in bed, like at least you woke up, right? Mm -hmm. Like at least mm -hmm. you are still here. And if you can grab food that day, even better. Um, but sometimes it's just, and when they say small wins, for some people that have depressive episodes, it's literally just like the waking up and just being. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when, when you talk about the day by day, like, yes, I feel more than not, some of us have been there and just haven't talked about it, but like, that's bravery for you to just mm -hmm. stay awake um, yeah. during those, those hard times. So yay us being able to, <laughs> To, to to strap up or like to get ready for for the hot for the peaks and the valleys that are coming along. Uh, Jasmine, when we met, when we connected, you had mentioned that your child also has a chronic illness, and then we both thought like, what a great perspective to have a parent come onto the show and share their experiences with not only them having a condition, um, which you yourself have CPTSD but parenting a child with a chronic condition. Um, please tell us your journey as a parent, bringing up someone with their own illnesses, as well yeah. as yours, because that's, I mean, I can't even imagine, so please. <laughs> wow. Um, so my daughter is a teenager now, she's 15. So I do wanna preface and say I got her consent. <laughs> Mm -hmm. to share. Um, I asked her what she was comfortable or not comfortable with me sharing. And I believe that it's so important for her to have agency over her own mm -hmm. story. And that's been a journey in itself. So in 2020, um, she started exhibiting some symptoms, very concerning symptoms that brought me to take her to the ER. Um, blood work looked good. And so they were like, we're going to treat this outpatient, went through the process of diagnosis. And it comes to be what's called IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, um, ulcerative colitis. So I think more people know of Crohn's and not so much ulcerative colitis. And so um, that was a turning upside down of the world moment for me and my family. We had no idea what to expect, let alone in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> True, yes. we literally in the middle of the pandemic, which meant like even doctor's appointments, only one parent could go with the child, uh, which meant that we either had to take turns or I just became the sole um, caregiver, primary medical caregiver person that just wow. knew the nitty gritty details of it all. And would my husband would FaceTime into the appointments and we would mm -hmm. try to you know do this together, but it just felt so isolating and so hard because of the restrictions due to COVID. And we had no idea uh, what this, what this, 
condition meant for her. We had no idea what to expect. And, you know, we tried it all. We tried holistic diet. We tried naturopath. We tried, we tried prayer. We tried uh, medication. We tried biologics. We tried it all. And um, within a six month stint between January of 2021 and June of 2021, she had five hospitalizations uh, in which the last one ended with three weeks in the hospital. And uh, it was a journey that it's been a journey. We're still not in clinical. She's still not in clinical remission. Um, She ended up having a life altering surgery where now she has a medical disability. And it's just been the journey of how do we love and support our teenager now, well, through her own health journey, how do Mm -hmm. we help her cope with the reality that her body um, is this beautiful, complex thing? And yeah, it it is sad in other areas (laughs) of her body. How do we help her um, cope? How do we help her grieve Um, her childhood? uh, uh, Such a pivotal, monumental uh, season for her has been mostly in the hospital and we're still mm-hmm. in this season. And so she was just had some new procedures a couple of weeks ago that we're still waiting for results of. And so it's just been this constant, like, maybe this will work. <laughs> maybe yeah. this will work. This is going to help. This is going to help, you know? And so there's been a lot of hope and then hope did not turn out to be what we hoped it to be. And it's just been yeah. this constant cycle of, Okay, let's not lose hope. <laughs> let's let's cling on to whatever little hope we have to help us move forward. Um, and I think the biggest journey in all of this has been how do we then create a sacred space that's safe for her with community that is going to love her well and not use toxic positivity language around mm-hmm. the reality of what she's facing um there you know how can you help she was diagnosed at 12 she's 15 now how can you help a tween to a teenager say some good is going to come out of this she has no context for that that's not an appropriate thing to say right so uh really challenging our own language as well i think for me what it forced me to do as a parent was to confront my own beliefs and biases around what i believe um, a good, successful life looks like for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me confront my own um, ableism, ableist beliefs, not even realizing that I had them um, around what I believe she could or maybe couldn't accomplish, right? Not limiting her based on her medical disability. And so it's been it's been a journey of constantly confronting, learning, unlearning, relearning, been like oh shoot you know and now she's old enough to like you know come back and (laughs) challenge me and say um I think I think that's an ableist approach that you have right now about this expectation you have of me or can we consider a little bit more nuance in this can we consider the realities of how my body is not handling this well and how I uh fatigue very easily or xyz right and so um it's even in my own journey in my own health I still forget 
that she has her own journey and her own story. And I have to constantly be aware of my expectations and, and we're trying to waver through like, how do we do this well? And it's very hard. It sounds challenging to say the least. Um, but the good thing here from what I, from what I understand is that there's grace between both of you and grace between your family in general, that she, it's almost telling you your truth, right? is like, no, this isn't okay. Like, I understand what you're trying to say and do, but no, this, this ain't it. This ain't the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like as a, and I feel like as parents, it's almost like you're taking a back because you always thought that you were doing, and you do as like, I, I've seen it with parents around that they're, they believe that they're doing the best that they can, right? And it's true of, up to your abilities, but sometimes when you don't, like your kids know, and sometimes just like listening to them and then her, especially like being at this age of being like, not today, like I can give you past maybe on some days, but like, this is a rough day. And mm -hmm. having that grace and having that space for her to be comfortable enough to say, no, this isn't okay. I don't appreciate what you're doing right now. I understand it's coming from a good heart, I understand that you're trying to be the best of the most for me right now, but I just really need you to hear that this is a shitty time. Um, so that's like, that's, that's great. And being able to have that ebb and flow and you not be so hard on yourself. Cause I feel like sometimes parents take that very personally mm -hmm. of like, I didn't do enough or I should have. And it's like, no, you are still at the end of the day. Yes, you are a parent and you're trying to do your best. But at the end of the day, you're also a human being. And we are made to have to to create errors. And that's OK. And you're the fact that she has that space with you to be like, no, mom, not today. Or like, this isn't it. it it's great because it shows that there is a that there's a, a great relationship between both of you that she can show up for herself and she can tell you how to show up for her even within the crappy days and the crappy times and the periods of, of that crappiness if you will yes i so resonate with that like we just we had a moment yesterday too and i'm just like wow thank you for your vulnerability here thank you for mm -hmm. sharing this you know thank you for helping me to understand a piece of this in a way that I don't always understand, you know? And so it's giving her that space to grieve and to mm -hmm. name everything that she's experiencing and to be present with her. That's like the biggest thing that I would say in all of this journey is mm -hmm. she's like, don't talk at me. Don't tell me what you think I need to do. Don't tell me, you know, what we think God is going to do. Like, don't tell me that. What I need is your presence, you know? And I think that comes well when it, like that's so important when we extend the community circle around who is going to yeah. be in this sacred space with her is don't talk at her. How are you going to be present with her? How are you going to engage with her where the way that you're talking with her is and treating her isn't all about her diagnosis. There's so much mm. more to her that is so beautiful and good and robust that is like, take her out, you know, enjoy time with her, go for coffee, go for, you know, go, go shopping. We're going to go shopping tomorrow together. Right. For <laughs> and I have to remind myself of that. Right. Like, cause sometimes I can just be like mental health check-in 
physical body check-in. How are we doing? Right. Cause phys- the chronic illness impacts our mental health as well then. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I get, I can easily get into like the like mom mode, the like, how are we doing the, the clinical stuff? Do I need to contact the doctors? Do I, are we having any issues? Like, yeah. How close remind- does the iPhone need to be to me? Like, yeah. can, I, can it be in the purse or does that, do I have to have it on hand? Like you let me know. Yeah. That's yeah. And you're trying to do great, right? Because you're trying to be prepared for the most and be the most prepared. But yes, but then I had to remind myself, like, no, yeah, <laughs> is this what she needs, or does she just need mom today? Not medical caregiver mom, but does she just need mom? And how do I show up as mom for her today? I love that. I love that. And those are those are two different hats to wear um, with two different personalities. And the fact that you can catch yourself and are becoming more self-aware with her help and her guidance, I think mm-hmm. it's just great because, yeah, we all just want sometimes like our, like we all roll our eyes at our moms. <laughs> um, but there's just sometimes that you're like, listen, like, let's cut the BS, like, let's cut the friction, like let's just chill like let's yes. just chill like let's just hey let's just hang i out. just need a cuddle like yeah. can you give me a hug just give me a hug don't tell me it's gonna be okay that something better is gonna come out of this like just hug me and hold space for me ah, i love that yeah I love that. So obviously, right, your experience and your journey is giving us great, great resources on how to navigate these situations. But are there any tips and tricks that you might be able to um, help our listeners manage their emotions if they are going through a similar situation? And again, listeners, this isn't professional counseling or professional advice. This is just me having a conversational tone um, in a non-medical professional tone with Jasmine. Um, so yeah, if there's any tips and tricks that you can give our listeners on like how to manage this, like you were saying, right? You have your healthcare work mom mode and then you have like your, I just need to be mom hat. And then mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a thousand other mom hats that you can wear. So what are just some tips and tricks to be like, okay, like let's live in the present kind of thing. Yeah. So for me, um, trying to do some breath work daily. Um, it's uh, I have started doing um, walking, like hitting ten thousand steps, and then increase to five miles a day as a way to like just keep my body moving, but to feel a sense of connection to it. Um, it's very interesting that how. Because most of my life I've spent disassociated from my body, that mm. learning how to reconnect and stay connected is a daily, a daily process for me. So I have to intentionally like check in, okay, Jess, how am I doing today? What's going mm. on? Um, we use a feelings wheel here in our home. I use it with my family and we love it. So if I don't quite have language for what emotion I'm feeling, I'll, I'll pull out my feelings wheel and be like, oh, okay, today I'm feeling isolated or today I'm feeling disconnected. What can I do um, so that I can feel a sense of connection this week? Um, have I have I intentionally taken that time to have my coffee date or my one-on-one mm. with those I love so that I can feel connected. Um, so that's on a personal level. And then on the, on the mom side, I think some tips and tricks that I've learned that I wish I knew sooner uh, was finding like support groups to join. That's mm-hmm. been huge for me um, to see other parents who are navigating their own child's health journey. 
Um, also, like just advocating. I did. I didn't do this in the beginning, but studying my daughter's blood work, like not in an obsessive way, but yeah. making sure I understand the link, the medical terms that are being used, that I understand what the blood results are, and to look out for patterns. Because actually, what happened was my daughter was on a uh, a biologic. Um, medication class uh, to help her with her, to see if that could help her get into clinical remission. And um, some numbers were dropping in other areas that were very concerning. And that's what became dangerous for her. She experienced a rare side effect of this biologic. And I had noticed a dip in the numbers, but because they were still technically in normal range, the doctors didn't notice the dip until it got super dangerous and below the normal range. But by that point, it was too late and we had to intervene, which then created another disorder that she has. Um, it's a blood disorder. And so now we're navigating between the two diagnoses because they play into each other or they affect each other, I should say, not play. And so for me, it's like, now I know I'm going to study the blood work. I'm going to ask questions. Hey, I'm noticing this pattern in her blood work. What does this mean? Should we be concerned? Is there additional tests we should do? Um, that's like on a medical practical side. And then I also uh, found uh, an amazing support group. I'm going to pull up the name so that I get it correct. But okay. I didn't realize from like a uh, Latina uh, person of color perspective, I didn't realize how... Um, white dominant, this diagnosis is considered in the medical world. And so there actually is a lack of research when it comes to Black and Latina people mm. who are being diagnosed with IBD. And so I found a specific support group called Color of Crohn's and Chronic Illness, and they are doing a lot of work around um they call it IBD equity. So they're doing a lot of work around shifting the medical mindset and perspective around this diagnosis class mm -hmm. that is considered like a white Jewish disease. And the reality is that a lot of people of color are now being diagnosed, but there isn't as much research, medical research that backs mm -hmm up the treatment plan to support Black and Latina and other people of color well. And, um, and so there's this traditional path of, this is the first step we're gonna do for medication, and then this is the second, and if that doesn't work, then we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so now there's like, you know, uh, GIs and other medical professionals, and then patient advocates who are fighting for, we need to be involved in the research. Um, we are. We need to be considered for how these medications are going to impact our bodies and to provide better outcomes and treatment opportunities for people of color. So that's been a huge sacred space for me to have. I wish I had found it sooner, um, but now I tell everybody about it. I'm like, you gotta get connected with this group. It's yeah. been amazing. And the work that they're doing to, to promote equity um, within this context is so important and so we're a part I'm a part of this support group and I just love the women and everybody that's in it as well that are advocating for better outcomes for this specific diagnosis. I don't think that we realize how specific when you get a diagnosis how how specific the um, like their research is based on and it's we're never to be found. Um, and so the fact that this group, along with yourself and other participants that become community members start advocating is just powerful because there needs to be 
first of all, obviously representation for us everywhere and anywhere, but especially when it comes to the medical scene, because we are either one told that we're making these things up in our mind because of how much they believe our pain tolerance can last, but also the not doing enough because they don't know how our bodies will be reacting to this. Mm -hmm. um, and, or we are their guinea pigs, right? Like we've seen it with birth control in Puerto Rico. So yeah. the fact that one, you found the support for you, for you is amazing. Thank you for sharing it with all of our listeners, but also you now becoming an advocate and being brave enough to share your experience as a parent with someone who has this and then you yourself who have your own um, conditions, just being able to, to have representation now out there is beneficial to all of us, whether we are quote unquote healthy or not, because you never know when something down the line is going to affect you. Um, it may not today, it may not tomorrow, but you don't know, no one knows the future of, of, of their lives. So you don't know what you'll be coming down with in like 20 years. So thank you so much for, for doing the work and like shout out to you for for finding this group and now i'm actually going to be going down the google rabbit hole once we're at, once we're done with our conversation to see what's happening there um just out of like genuine educational curiosity for me mm -hmm. jasmine when um your child was diagnosed with this um, illness back in 2020 how did the community react how did your family react how was um the sense of how are we going to get through this journey, but also how were they supportive? Was there some backlash within within your household or even within your close community? Yeah, good question. I think I think when it, we're a family of five, so it, internally we all processed it in completely different ways. My oldest, we have two younger uh, daughters as well. Um, and so even like, how do we help our kids understand what's happening with their oldest and why is she in the hospital all the time, right? And because of COVID, our families were divided. Um, mm -hmm. One parent was with her in the hospital while the other parent was back home with the other two. And we would swap every other day so that um, each of the kids got to see us mm -hmm. and so it it was it was hard I'm grateful that we're not in that intense of a season in, in this season now because it was so hard it was so isolating but then we had family external family and friends step in who provided you know child care my sister-in-laws were amazing we we're like hey like is it possible that the little stay with you so that we could both be in the hospital with her or, hey, surgery is happening. Like we both need to be there right now. Um, mm -hmm. and family just stepped in. Um, and then there were other challenges of just like, what does it look like uh, for, you know, there's good intentions in terms of what does it look like to support our family, um, especially since my family is, or and especially, you know, my uh uh, my in-laws, you know, faith is a big part of our journey and story. And so like, even like their perspectives and beliefs around that was very different from our perspectives and our beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so we had to navigate through that and be like, hey, like we need you to trust that we are loving our daughter well with this, that we, we're the ones living this daily in a way that y'all aren't experiencing it. And so the best thing you can do again is not to come at us about healing or what God says or all of those things. Right now, we just need presence. We need 
presence, we need love, and then we need tangible support. Like, can you help us with groceries, <laughs> right? Like, can you help us? And so that that was huge, uh, so huge. And then um, my mother-in-law did something. This was really hard for us, but she offered to start a GoFundMe thing for us mm-hmm. to help with the medical bills and just, you know, the loss of income that we experienced as we were navigating supporting our daughter. And that vulnerability and to say yes was really, really hard for us. But she mm-hmm. was able to raise, um, a, a, you know, a good chunk of money that helped us get through and not have to worry about because my husband travels for work. Mm-hmm. And so we it allowed for him to stay local for six months as our family navigated this new shift with our daughter and her diagnosis that that it wasn't something we had to think about. And so, so yeah, I I think that was huge as well. Right. And then I think about all the friends who came by and dropped off food. I think about the, the Zells and the Apple pays I got that helped us to cover uh, the hospital food. Oh my gosh. Hospital food is so expensive. Uh, (laughs) It's if you get it through the hospital, yeah, it's not very good. Or if you get it, you know, connected to the hospital, it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's just like in the parking, like to park your car at the hospital mm-hmm. is a whole nother like bill in itself, you know? So the way that the ways that friends would just be like, here's $25 to cover, you know, maybe breakfast or lunch for y'all. Here's, yeah. you know, some money. Or the parking. Like or the parking that, is up insanely. It's, oh my gosh, it was $11 a day. If we were there for 21 days, yeah. <laughs> like. That is, you know, a good chunk of a couple hundred dollars, which all those. I mean, that's your car payment or at that time was your house payment. Yeah. Yeah. Groceries. Yeah. For for us, we're just like so grateful. And that's where I felt presence. That's where I felt a connection to um, seeing the way that family and community really got around us was when everyone showed up in different ways. You know, I would get DMs or um, text messages from friends that were like, hey, like just thinking about you, um, thinking about your daughter today, or we're praying for you guys. Like that was what we needed in those moments. And it was really powerful. That's awesome. That's great. Um, I'm glad that you were able to have a really, really great experience and have your family, like your in-laws, like your sister-in-laws be able to come up and step up. And I think also just being aware of the ego and the pride and letting that go because we're always the first ones to be like, how can we help? How can we help? But we're the last ones to always ask for help. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe I speak for myself. And so this year, it's funny because within these past two weeks, like I have had different people in my life be like, so how can I help? Or like, here, let me do this. Just let me do that. It's to the point where they don't even ask me how they can help. They already know. And so they've come and showed up. And it's it's such a weird emotion to just be like, okay, all right. Um, because it's not, I, I'm not used to that, you know, especially like when it comes to like something financial. Because you're like, no, like, I have to work at it. And, like, I don't know when I'm going to repay you back. And, like, these people are like, girl, like, it's not even about that. Like, <laughs> I didn't ask you to repay me. Like, I'm just saying, let's go. And I'm like, okay. Um, 
and and I know that's my I know that that's me letting go of pride and that's me letting go of my stubbornness and that's me letting go of ego. Mm-hmm. But you, I feel like you know, once you let that go, so much more opportunity comes into your life. And for you and your family was the opportunity of ease, the opportunity of not being worried, the opportunity of being able to be present, the opportunity of being thankful to have these people in your life. And the just all of that, you know, once you let that go, all of this other stuff comes in. And so the first few times I feel it is a little scary or it is daunting. And even that self-hate talk comes like, I'm not good enough. I should have known mm-hmm. better. I should have done better. Mm-hmm. But once you let this go, all of a sudden it's that whole other mentality of like, man, I'm able, I'm present for this. I'm able to do that. I am thankful for these people. Um and it's going to like, you you know, it's just, it's such a great feeling and such a great way of being loved, shown that you're loved, shown that you're cared for, showing that you're not alone, showing like you were saying that you are part of community. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And just reiterating that like ego and pride and stubbornness can set you back on such great, amazing opportunities in your life at that time. Yeah, yeah. And I think also, right, in the Latino context, you don't, you typically is you don't share your business with other people, right? Like, you know, Todos se quedan en casa. Todos se quedan en casa. <laughs> yeah. That was my mom always used to say, Todos se quedan en casa. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah, but then we're not really inviting people into what we're walking through and how can we give them the space to be there, right? So, yeah, it's, it's identifying I have the capacity for X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. I can, I can give, right. And then each person may have a different space within that capacity. So mm-hmm. there are certain people who know the nitty gritty details yes. of, of what our family is walking through. And then there are others who know just enough, but don't know the day-to-day gritty details. Right. And so it's, that's the cool thing about having agency over storytelling and sharing our stories. Is like, I get to decide mm-hmm. how much I share this and who I share this with. And there's power in community. There's power in togetherness. And so, and and that was a challenge, I'll be honest, for myself, because I am a storyteller and I find so much beauty and healing mm-hmm. from sharing. And my daughter is a very private girl. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, okay, like I have to honor the boundaries that she set before me as mom. So if I posted something or even shared something, and she said she felt uncomfortable with it, I'd have to take it down or yeah. I let her read it first, you know? And so th- that's been a, quite the journey too. It's like figuring out how do I find my own sense of healing in mm-hmm. this process without um, dishonoring my daughter's boundaries because this yeah. is her story to tell, it's not mine. And yeah. so um, and so I'm very protective around how much I share. Um, I don't go into nitty ditty uh, like gritty details on sh- social media. I just I'm very uh, what's that word? Very broad <laughs> stroke. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, and and if people want to support you, they don't need to know the nitty gritty details. And if they do, then you got to ask yourself like, is, you know, do you want to tell this person or, you know. Don't feel like you have to tell people nitty gritty details in order for them to feel like they can support you or help you. Yeah. And I love, I love that you're finishing out that with that, with that like statement right there for this, for that question is you get to allow how much you are learning with your daughter, how much you are able to and and not able to. 
but yet you're still finding your own healing within that. She's finding her own healing within that. And yeah, the people who really, really want to know the details are those really the kind of people that you need around you because the people who you feel the safest with, it's just going to come out regardless. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, like it's just, it's great to see that happening. Um, last question before we start asking you about um, different resources and tools. You are a business owner. You have your own business with um, your husband. And obviously you, were, you had mentioned 2020 and how how much chaos and havoc there was throughout that whole time. So with you having to be at the hospitals and having to be at the doctors consistently and constantly, there must have been times where you couldn't show up for your business, right? Like mm -hmm. rescheduling a call, canceling a call, um, doing all of that. How did you not let all of that deter you from being like, all right, you know what? We're closing this. It's done. How did you, even though you were going through all these challenges, come out the other end and be like, we're using this as a reframe and we're going to come out winning. And again, winning and success means something totally different mm -hmm. to every individual. I know my success looks very different than your success and then everyone else's success. So how did you not let all of these challenges deter you from getting to the success that you want for yourself and your family? Yeah, I think it's important to do uh, an assessment. <laughs> I, th I think a lot of people are talking about boundaries, but not enough about capacity, right? And in mm. every season, we have different capacities. Uh, and so for us and for me, what we had to do was assess what is our capacity in this season? It's looking like we need to make some shifts through our, through our business. So that means we need to either shut things down, we need to say more to more things, um, we need to be able to have the flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that was also being transparent with clients if we needed to be. So actually, I was in the events industry before mm -hmm. COVID shut us down. COVID shut down the entire events and wedding industry. We had a vintage trailer photo booth. And um, 2020, we got shut down. 2021, things were starting to reopen again. And so our clients from 2020 that got held off were trying to rebook for 2021. And we actually had to make the hard decision in that part of our business, right? We have multiple streams of income coming in. But in this stream of business that we had, we actually had to make the hard call and say, you know what? We don't have the capacity to fully lead this the way that we need to for in wedding season. And we don't know what the next steps are going to look like for our daughter with her health. And so we actually had to make the hard call and close that part of our business and gave back everyone's um, deposits, you know, deeply apologized and just said, unfortunately, we just don't know where our daughter's health is going. We don't think it's wise to book this and then have to cancel last minute, right? That would be more devastating than good. And so I think for us, it was, what are we, what are we willing to let go of? What are other things that we can make shifts in? What are things that we can transparently share? I'll never forget when she was the three weeks in the hospital. Um, I had to take a client call on Zoom. It was for my last wedding before I retired as a wedding photographer. And uh, they're like, oh, thank you so much for taking our call. I was like, no, thank you. Like creativity is such a healing space for me too. So to not do that at all in the midst yeah. of all of this, like is it can't, it, 
you don't have to make such pendulum swings, right? It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be all or nothing, but rather assessing what my capacity is. And so took the call with them and was just like, hey, as of right now, everything is still looking good. You know, we're looking to get released soon. I don't see this impacting um, your wedding date, but let's go ahead and put a plan B in place. I'll find, you know, a, a backup photographer who could cover me in the event. So it's, it's this vulnerability and communication with your clients that creates the safety. And because that's always been an important part of my work culture um, and how I lead my business, it doesn't feel jarring or um, like inauthentic mm -hmm. when I have to have these conversations because I'm so relational with my clients in general that when these things do happen, right? Because it's not if, but it's when, yeah. um, okay. they, they don't feel like a ball was dropped. Right. And then it also means that they have the right in the space to say, Correct. hey, like we want to find somebody else, which is what I ended up doing with that client. I told them I was like, hey, like if you feel, you know, if this makes you at all feel uncertain around my capacity and what I'm able to provide you, I I trust your decision if you decide to go elsewhere. And they actually said, no, we trust you and we trust your work and we love you know, you know, you and the work that you do. And so we're going to continue to move forward with you. And, and I really appreciated that they did that. But that's a that's a tangible way of how I've been able to manage and work through um, my daughter's chronic illness and mine as well. The transparency, the knowing your capacity. And um, yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's what makes you a successful entrepreneur, because it's very easy to say, no, I have it under control, under control as everything's lit up and fire and behind you, but um, you were able to speak your truth and show up and be amazing for these people. So that was great. Um, Jasmine, last question for you. Are there any podcasts, any shows or any books or, and or other resources that you can give our audience to um, help them with their journey, whether it's their own journey or their journey that they're navigating with their children? Yeah, so um, for me, I've relied a lot, like I said, on Facebook support groups, um, okay. especially being an apparent one with children who have the same exact diagnoses who have been in this journey longer than me has been mm -hmm. huge because they'll say advocate for XYZ and you would think that everyone got the same standard of care, but that's not true. <laughs> so it's been huge to be able to say, oh, we didn't get that procedure or that test. Um, let me go to my medical team and ask why not. Um, another uh, resource that I clinged on to for my daughter's specific uh, diagnosis is called the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. They have uh, support groups. They help walk you through. Um, um, I'm blinking on the word. It's called a complementary approach to um, treatment, which is integrating both um, holistic and traditional uh, medications to help you through this diagnosis. So that was really helpful to see that a foundation had that on there as well. And then for me, uh, there's a new resource that just came out. Um, I'm still in the middle of reading it, haven't finished it, but it's called The Pain We Carry. And it's, um, it's a book on complex PTSD specifically for people of color. Oh, yeah, very nice. And there's talks in it about uh, racial trauma, different things like that. And then the last thing that I'll mention, because I've mentioned spirituality and faith a little bit here, um, a great resource that I read is called um, My Body is Not a Prayer Request. 
Okay. And that's been huge. Um, it, it talks a lot about disability justice in the faith context. Um, and that's been personally huge for me because that is a space I'm in and in my context uh, and just some of the hurtful, damaging words that can be said to people who are walking through um, their own chronic journey as, as they're trying to walk through their own <laughs> faith journey as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so that book was great in terms of helping me have some language around like, no, like my daughter um, can have a beautiful, abundant life, even if the outcome of her diagnosis isn't that she's healed, right? Um, and so, and there, that's much more complex, and I, I could talk about that another day. But all that to be said, um, that that book helped me gain a lot of language around my my own thought process and what it looks like to love my daughter well as she's walking through her medical disability and her chronic illness journey. Love it. Jasmine, thank you so much for being part of our show. Thank you so much for telling us your story and your daughter's experience. Shout out to your daughter for giving us permission to speak on her journey um, and her experience and, you know, just keeping that hope and just being present and navigating her journey with you and, you know, creating even those boundaries with you, you know, and, and that, and I feel like even like on a mom and daughter level, that's always hard. So shout out, shout out to her for being brave and showing up at, you know, like, even though she's having a difficult time and a difficult time at a young age, like shout out to her for showing up. So thank you so much. Um, where can our followers listen to you, keep up with you, show up for you and your daughter? Um, let us know what your media outlets are. Yeah, so I'm mostly on Instagram okay. at yourfriend.jasmine. And then my business is Mentally Mutual. And Mentally Mutual is this space where I'm looking to cultivate uh, BIPOC healing spaces through creative storytelling, um, gatherings, and mutual aid. So really dreaming up a new way forward and how we do business uh, that centers community through an economic justice lens. And so, Ooh. yeah, so really talking about how mental health or um, that... Oh, Oh, I just lost my train of thought for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, poof, left my yep. head. Um, but how, um, you know, why am I, or economic money, household mm -hmm. income is the number one social determinant of health. And so health, ec economic justice is health equity. And so how do we have those yeah. conversations around cross-class spaces uh, when it comes to mental well-being, healing in general, and our financials? Yeah. And what did you, where did you say we can follow you for that as well? Mentally mutual. Mentally mutual. And that's on Instagram? Instagram and then our website as well. Yeah. Perfect. I'm just going to write that down and then click it on here so people can see it. Jasmine, thank you again for your time and your knowledge. I know that you dropped a lot of gems. I know your daughter dropped a lot of gems through you sharing um, her story and her journey for us. So I appreciate both of you um, immensely. For all of those who have joined, thank you so much for listening. I hope you were able to receive a lot, a lot of the gems that were dropped here today. Um, please don't forget to leave us a review. Cinco estrellitas, por favor. 
um, and join the online community of Making the Good Moves as well as on Instagram. If you have any questions for us, please feel free to um, send us an email at makingthegoodmoves at gmail.com. Once again, I will catch you on the next episodio. Abrazos, cariño y mucho amor, familia. Bye.